slow. That being said, let's get into the series today. I want to begin a couple of weeks of talking to you about overcoming fear. And, and <laughs> when I put the preaching calendar together for 2020, I did it back in October and November. Uh, there was nothing about the coronavirus in the news. <laughs> nothing. Um, but it has saturated in the last few weeks, it has saturated our entire world with fear. Um, affecting everything from travel to finance to even Amazon is affected with the price gouging and the, the mask and the hand sanitizer and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're discontinuing vendors and disqualifying vendors and all this kind of stuff. It's affecting everything. And, uh, and I, don't, I, don't want to diminish, I don't want to diminish what's going on in the world, but you have to understand that there are things that happen in this world that the media blows so far out of proportion because they want ratings and they want you to watch. And if they can scare you about something like coronavirus, they're going to do it. And so do yourself a favor. Quit watching the news. Amen. Just quit watching the news. You want to know what the... I, I, I watched it for a couple weeks and I'm just sitting there going, my goodness, this is horrible. This is, I mean, every, they got these maps with all the continents and this red stuff popping up all over the continents. You would think it was a Republican map or something like that. <laughs> but it's not. Coronavirus is no respect to a person. Democrats, Republicans, you can get it, okay, whatever. But here's the thing. Here's the deal. In America, there's about 3,500 cases of it. That's it, total. A little over 100 people have passed away from it. Most of them... People that are up in years in nursing homes with their immune system that are greatly diminished. Here's the deal. The symptoms of the coronavirus are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. In other words, the flu. All right? Take care of yourself. Wash your hands. Take care of yourself. Clean stuff up, you know, and just be careful, okay? Be careful. But don't live in fear of this. Because there's like almost 400 million people in America, I think, and 3,500 cases in our entire country, you know. And so it's really something that's just a dot. But everybody would like for you to believe that the world is coming to an end because of this coronavirus, which, by the way, has been on the side of a Lysol can for 15 years. Lysol kills the, the thing. So if in doubt... Get you some Lysol and just spray yourself down. It'd be all right. It'd be all right. All right. Enough about that. Here we go. What is fear? What is fear? By definition, in Webster's, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. We are seeing that worldwide. Words that are synonymous with fear are alarm, anxiety, dread, fearfulness, fright, horror, panic, scare, uh, terror, trepidation. Some fear is healthy. We, we should have some fear. There should, be, there should be at least a little bit of it to help us understand that, that I need to make sure that I wash my hands. I need to make sure that, that you know, all the things that I do when, when it, relative to this virus that's, that's supposedly taking over the world. But there's some other elements to it as well. Uh, some of them are healthy. Some of them are not healthy. For example, here's some of the motivators. We have a fear of failure. We have a fear of success, fear of dying, fear of commitment or intimacy, fear of spiders. Uh, I typically have a very healthy fear of snakes, um, fear of flying, fear of public speaking, fear of heights, fear of the dark, fear of rejection. But some of these fears 
develop into phobias. And I, I listed about the top 10 or 12 of them that I, that I could find in psychology, psychology Today and all the other periodicals that I read from time to time. Arachnophobia. Not just a movie a number of years ago. It's a fear of spiders. I don't necessarily have that. I don't want them crawling on me, but I'm not scared of them. Like my wife and my son are petrified of, of spiders. Uh, Cameron will scream like a little girl if one, if, if, all he has to do is see one. I was, I was doing some work on our hunting lease last year, and, and I run into one of them big, you know, big banana spider webs. That thing was stuck next to the, the, uh, the canopy on my tractor. And so I stopped and took my phone out, and I took a picture of it from about two inches away. Boom, and I sent it to Cameron, and uh, knowing that he would freak out when I, when I sent that to him. <laughs> you know. Here's the one that, that would be easy for me to have. You threw me in a box full of snakes. Uh, it's um, Ophidiophobia. Fear of snakes. You know, I don't know that I've got a phobia about them. I just don't want to be around them, and I kill all that I see. I'm not going to argue with a good snake or a bad snake. I'm just going to tell you that a snake that is dead is a good snake. A snake that's alive is a bad snake, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion. Take that and a couple of bucks, and you can get a cup of coffee somewhere. Acrophobia, fear of heights. Aerophobia, fear of flying. Sinophobia, fear of dogs. Astrophobia, fear of thunder and lightning. Trypanophobia, fear of needles and injections. Agoraphobia, fear of a situation where you may not escape may be difficult, kind of like the fear of crowds and stuff. Mysophobia, fear of germs, wow. Wow. Claustrophobia, fear of small spaces. I have this one uh, just about every week. Glossophobia, fear of public speaking. Um, I, I have to deal with that on a weekly basis. But here's my favorite. Look at, the, look at this one. This is my favorite of all of them. Can you see this one? Look at that one. That is the fear of long words. That's real. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. I can't pronounce it, but it's like a hippopotamus monster phobia thing. I don't know. But, but fear literally is the, the things that are in our life that, that sometimes are healthy, sometimes are not so healthy. What does fear do? If we, if we battle fear on a regular basis, then there's this inability to relax. Fear creates anxiety or panic. Fear weakens the immune system. It sharpens survival instincts, which is a good thing. Um, fear can bring depression. It can bring the phobias that we've talked about, and there's so many others. It can cause heart damage. It can cause a lack of confidence. Uh, and and I, will, I will tell you, and you guys know this, I will tell you that that's, that's something that I've battled my entire ministry when, I, when it comes to this because I'm scared to death to be in front of people like this. And I have to battle through it every Sunday. And for years and years and years, I couldn't eat anything on Sunday morning because it would probably come back up. You know, Sister Faye Chapman, who was our mission director for so many years here, is still a part of the church, just not able to be here on a weekly basis because of advanced age and physical situation. But she would, every day I would come into the office on Sunday mornings, and, but when I got to the office, she was already here, and there was a nice cold ginger ale sitting on my desk. Because she knew what I dealt with, and she took care of me week in and week out with those ginger ales to kind of ease the nauseousness and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. But that lack of confidence is, is, is birthed in fear, fear of failure, fear of really making a mess of things. And you guys have been so gracious for 35 years, 36 years now, to just let me do what I do. And, and, and they, oh, that's just Phil. It's okay. It's just Phil. 
There's the, the feeling, like fear will create a feeling of missing out, that, that people are doing things and are leaving you out intentionally. Fear diminishes memory. Fear robs us of our perspective on stuff. Uh, it destroys our viewpoint, and it brings the worst side of us out into the open. It brings out complaining. It brings distrust. It brings finger pointing and despair in people. Fear is an unbelievable motivator in people's lives. Sometimes for good, but most of the time, it diminishes who we are at huge, huge levels. So where does it come from? Where does it come from? Um, there's an element of fear that's innate in every human being, and I believe it's God-given. I, I believe that the survival instinct, the fight or flight, when something, we get into a dangerous situation, there's that instinctive caution that presents itself. There's that element of, okay, uh, if I get too close to the fire, I'm going to get burned. That's an element of fear. If I, you know, all of these things, and I believe those, that, that aspect of fear is God-given. I perfectly believe that God, my fear of snakes is a God-given innate thing. And, and I know you guys may be fine with it. There's been people that you own them as, as pets and all that kind of stuff. And God bless you. Just don't bring it around me. You know, I will love you from a distance if that thing's strung around you. I walked to Bass Pro Shop here not too long ago. I was in there walking around. I turned the corner and a lady with a boa constrictor just about run smack dab into me. You know, I want to just snatch that snake off her neck and beat it against the pole right there next to just kill that thing. But I had to touch it to do that, and I'm just not interested in doing that. So what did I do? I turned down the aisle. Got as far away from that thing as I could. But there's some, there's some levels of fear that, that, that is God-given, I believe. There's some elements that God places in us and some instincts and some things that we have in our life that is a God-given thing that we need to cultivate. And we, need, we, need to, we need the survival instinct. We really do. On the other hand, some Christian teachers and preachers have simplistically stated that all fear is of satanic origin, which is obviously not the truth. It's obviously not the case. But for the sake of this series today and next Sunday, I do believe that some fear has its origin in spiritual darkness. And, I, and it's this fear that I'm going to deal with today and next Sunday. I can't deal with phobias and things like that. That's why Dr. Messino is connected to the church. If it's that at that level, that's why we have him and his practice. But I can talk with you today and next Sunday about how do we identify and how do we deal with and how do we overcome the fear that is produced in spiritual darkness because there are some elements of that. First Timothy says, that, or 2 Timothy says, that we have not been given a spirit of fear. And that word spirit of fear, as we'll see in a minute, is, is cowardice and timidity. We haven't been given that. But the fear that I want to talk to you about is the fear that steals our joy and our peace. It's a fear that keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. And it's extremely important to recognize that this, this fear, this type of fear is a tool of the enemy. The spirit can take on many forms, but the intention of that spirit of fear is very clear. It is to intimidate and destroy and effectively thwart God's destiny that he has placed in you for your life. Look at this passage. Here it is, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're going to talk about this spirit of fear today. Numbers 13, Israel is at the entrance to the promised land. They, they went on, they left Egypt just a 
maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 days earlier. They've marched to this place. They're at this point. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. They send 12 spies into the land. The spies come back, and 10 of them go, wow, we cannot do this. Two of them said, we can do it. Joshua and Caleb, we can take this land. God's promised it to us. We need to go in and possess it. But the 10 said, no. We cannot do this. We are not able to overcome it. There's giants in the land. It is a horrible, horrible thing, uh, situation. We can't go. Satan used a negative report to thwart God's plan. Now, here's the thing. The negative report is not that there was giants in the land. It's not that there was a land flowing with milk and honey. That's not the negative report. That was true. There are giants in the land. There are there are grapes and milk and honey and all this kind of stuff that are bigger than anything. There are huge people there. There's walled cities, fortresses, all that. The negative report is we cannot do this. That's the negative report. Joshua and Caleb tried to sway the crowd, tried to sway the ten and tried to sway the people that were listening to no avail. We are not able to possess the land. They rebelled against God. It cost over a million people entrance into the promised land over the next 40 years. What caused the rebellion of Israel against Moses and God? Fear. Fear is what caused it. Fear is what caused it. There are giants in the land. The land swallows up its inhabitants. That fear led to discouragement. Now, here's where I want you to see this morning the spirit of fear, how it takes over. God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy says. That spirit of fear is timidity or cowardice that is above and beyond what's normal. There should be a little bit of anxiety if you have to stand in front of people or if you have to talk to somebody that you don't know. There should be a little bit of that there just because of you don't know the person. Those things are kind of healthy, and sometimes they keep us from you know, connecting with serial killers and stuff like that. I don't know. But with Israel, the Bible says in Numbers 13, if you read the story, what you see after, the, after the, t- the 12 spies came back and after the 10 said, we are not able to do this. This is a land that swallows up its inheritance. We cannot, we are unable to take this land because they're better, they're bigger, they're more fortified than we are, and there's more of them than there are of us. We can't do this. And the Bible said that night that they begin to wail in the camp. If you've been to a, a, a sports stadium like football or baseball or something like that, you know, sometimes the wave will start. Even in, you know, it starts. It's kind of like that. When you, can, when you read the story in Numbers 13 of Israel, you see the wave beginning with the 10. And then it went out a little bit further. And it just, before the night was over, it had saturated the entire camp of the children of Israel to a point where. They were ready to kill Moses. They were ready, to, and, and God, just gets, God just says, wait a minute, I'm done with this. And they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness. An 11-day journey took them 40 years, just wandering around out there until all those that the spirit of fear had been embraced, that it became discouraged through fear and wailed against God and wailed against Moses and turn the hearts of the people against God's plan, it cost over a million people interest into the, into the promised land. That's how a spirit of fear works. That's how a spirit of fear works. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? I'm not. But I will tell you, there's something a little bit funny about the coronavirus to me. The way it is being presented in the media sounds an awful lot 
like the children of Israel wailing in the night. As it gains momentum and gains speed and all this kind of stuff. And, and the thing about it is, when you look on the World Health Organization website or the CDC and you see the symptoms and all this kind of stuff, it's a really simple virus to combat. Yeah, there's no vaccine. You know, I don't know where you stand on those. I don't, I don't really care where you stand on those. But when the truth of the matter is that Lysol kills it, then buy some Lysol. Okay? Wash your hands. Take care of yourself. It's the big deal. But when it begins to permeate a nation and begins to permeate a world because the media is spreading a report that is not necessarily healthy and certainly not accurate according to the World Health and the CDC. You talk to the doctors. We've got nurses and doctors that connect to this church. They're saying the exact same thing. I saw something this past week where in the same time frame, this has been out, 15,000 people have died from the flu in, the, in America. 100 people from, from corona, virus, not corona, the virus, <laughs> not the beer, the virus. And that was weird too. People stopped buying corona beer because, ah, I'm going to get the virus, you know. But here's the thing. With Israel, discouragement set in because of fear. They wailed all night long, led to discouragement, led to rebellion. All because it began with a negative report and fear set in. Now, how does the spirit of fear torment you and I? Well, maybe you have a fear of inadequacy. Maybe, the, maybe there's a voice that whispers in your ear, I'm not good enough and I never will be. Maybe the fear of uncertainty. There's this doubt that's being whispered into your mind. The fear of the unknown. The worst is about to happen. The sky is falling. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket and, and everybody's going to die. Or every, every, This is going to get... Fear of the unknown. The worst is about to happen. The fear of failure. I will never succeed. And that typically moves into, I'm a loser. Fear of rejection. They don't love me. They don't like me. They don't want me around. The fear of missing out. We're missing the best moment, and we, have, we weren't invited to that thing. We weren't invited to that event. We weren't invited to that party. We weren't invited to that, that gathering. The fear of change. It's going to be a horrible new season in our lives. The fear of being judged. I won't fit in. They're going to say things about me. Or the fear of, and you fill in the blank. What's that voice whispering to you? You see, that's, that's some of the ways the spirit of fear begins to attack us today in the 21st century. Take, take the virus and all that kind of stuff off the table, but what about, what about in your day-to-day -day life? What about in your job? Do you go to, go to your job every day worried that your performance doesn't measure up? Feeling like you, you're, not gonna be the, you're not the employee that you should be or you're not the employee that someone else is or something like that? All this, all this is that spirit of fear that comes over us. That type of fear, if it's not dealt with, can manifest as an overwhelming urge to control. We start pulling things to ourselves. Fear often causes us to take control and demand our own way by manipulating people and circumstances to get the results that we desire. We pull it all to ourselves. I, I, can't, I can't let anybody, if, if you're not a delegator anyway and you start pulling everything to you, most of that is birthed in fear that the job's not going to get done at the level that it's supposed to get done. 
That's the basis. It's based, based in fear. So here are four types of fear that can lead to this controlling side. It's, it's kind of, it's almost like the spirit of fear. It's a controlling spirit, if you will. Fear of losing position, title, or influence. This, this is something that is so subtle. Having, having, having pastored this church through two significant downturns in attendance and finance in the last 26 years, I can tell you this is a very real thing. In 2006 and 2007, when, when, uh, when the 3030F15s went away, we lost 300 people in 30 days. Translated into $90,000 financial shortfall in the first quarter of 2007. By September, we were laying off employees. That's a hard thing to deal with. Because as the leader, everything rises and falls on leadership. Hey, a lot of churches, many, many churches, if not most churches, would have fired the pastor. Thank you for not doing that, by the way. But the truth of the matter is, you still have those voices that begin to whisper in your head, you're not going to survive this. We had another one in 2015. We had a major, major moral failure within the staff and all this kind of stuff that went on. 400 people in 16 months left this church. 400 people. Last year, four years after the event, last year we began to grow again. We laid off staff. We, laid, we, had, to, we had to bring everything down. This one is a very real scenario because you play it over and over in your mind. That voice whispers to you every day. Will I survive this? Fear of losing resources or material belongings. Fear of losing reputation. Fear of losing relationships. How many times do we turn to control to try to hold people in our lives when the real deal is the harder you hold something, the less control you have over it? The fear of losing these things opens the door to the spirit of control. The spirit of fear, if it is not dealt with early, it will birth the spirit of control. And when these two spirits at work, I promise you, you will not find yourself in any, in any peace whatsoever. Control and fear cause us to go ahead of God, causes us not to wait on him. And honestly, they wreak havoc in our lives. I can give you example after example. When we were going through the scenario in, in 2015 and 2016, I was in such a hurry. We lost a worship pastor and we lost, a children, uh, lost our children's pastors and all this. And I was in such a hurry to get those positions filled here to maintain some stability and consistency that literally I moved too fast. To try to control the hemorrhaging of people leaving this place, I moved too fast. And so I, I made two bad hires. Great people, just not good fits here. All because I moved too quick, I got ahead of God. And I'm just, just being honest with you this morning because I want you to understand that the spirit of fear is something that I have experienced in my life. This is not something that I'm just standing up here giving you some words and giving you some content about. I'm telling you, there's, this stuff is real. And we will make a decision to try to hold things and control things. And the problem with that is that we do things that God is not leading us into because it seems right in the moment. But what we really need to do is take some time and assess and just wait on the Lord. And it wreaks havoc in our lives. The word tells us that the spirit of fear is not from God. Look what it says, First Timothy, 2 Timothy 1. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear is timidity or cowardice. 
God has not given us that, but he's given us a, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the deal. That's what we're moving to. Power, love, and a sound mind. Now, this today has not helped you overcome it one little bit. Today is the, in, the intention today is to identify. So I want you to stand all over the room with me. Next Sunday, we'll talk about overcoming it. But before you can overcome something, overcome something you've got to acknowledge it exists. You have to acknowledge it exists. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed all over this room this morning, I want to ask this question. How many people in this room this morning will say, you know what, Phil, I may be at a place where a spirit of fear is attempting to influence me in my day-to-day life. Could I see your hand, please? Yes, all over the room. Just put them right back down. You see, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. When he laid this stuff on my heart back in October, November, he knew you were going to be here today. He knew that you were going to be at the place that you're in. So just with any other situation in our life, the first step to moving toward wholeness in our life is acknowledging there's an issue. Acknowledging that we're broken. Acknowledging that, we are, that we're being influenced or maybe being influenced by this spirit of fear. That if left alone, it will develop into a spirit of control. And when those two things are, are working in tandem with another, you will be ahead of God. You'll make decisions that are not based on God's will for your life, not based on biblical values, but based on what the circumstance in the moment dictate that you do. And the truth of it is, step back from that. We're going to talk about how do we move through this next week. How do we move from, from a place of the spirit of fear influencing, the spirit of control, how do we move away from that in God to find peace and tranquility and contentment in our life to be free from unhealthy and ungodly fear?